You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. Scott. Brian, I exercised my constitutional rights today, and boy, does it feel good. It does feel good, doesn't it, to be a citizen in this great country of ours, this great land, and cast your ballot proudly for your sixth choice for mayor of New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I did it. First of all, I did not require ID. So who knows if my vote is valid or not? Who knows if I'm alive or not? No one knows. There's no way to verify it. So the whole election is already, it could, it's already rigged. It's It's a sham. It's a sham. If you figure, if the powers that be, whoever that is, the Pentaveret, if the Pentaveret is running the New York City mayoral election. For those who don't know who is in the Pentaveret, it's uh, the Queen, the Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds, <laughs> and Colonel Sanders before he went tets up. Uh, if they're the ones that are, are running the New York City mayor election and they're rigging it, who would the Pentaveret select? Um, Eric Adams, right? Or would they go with Yang? I don't know. I don't know who would be the Pentaveret favorite. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a tough one, right? <laughs> like, who would the Vatican be behind? Because, you know, the the bishops of America are not going to allow Joe Biden to take communion anymore. Right. That's true. Um, so all kinds of stuff is happening. All things, so many things are percolating and won't take communion anymore. I feel like the queen is not going to be in the Yang gang, to tell you the truth. The Queen? Yeah. Right. Colonel Sanders doesn't strike me as a Yang fan either. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I also did not rank all five choices. I just, that's too much. That's, I don't really want to be friends with five people. I can't tell you five people I'd like to be mayor. Right, right. I don't know five people who who I want to be in the same room with. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you right, know. Five mayors. We're lucky if we get one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. God. But the people of New York City have spoken, or, or they are speaking, but uh, the people of New York City are no longer playing or participating in the NBA playoffs because all the New York teams have been eliminated now, Brian. That's true. <laughs> and very close together, you know, all right. First round and a second round exit, not much farther. Did our brethren in Brooklyn manage to take themselves. Um, so that's just what a satisfying end to the Brooklyn Nets season. Very deserved. Ugh. Just very, I, I'm like still overwhelmed by how much I enjoyed watching them lose. Like absolutely, just how enjoy, like how happy it made me to see them lose. How sick of them I am. How just grateful I was to wake up the next day and they're gone and it's over for them and I'm not going to have to suffer through two more rounds and actually watch them win the championship, which just would have been hell. And I think you also saw, like, the longer they, you know, with the Knicks getting out and then the longer they remained in it, there were going to be more and more people jumping on the bandwagon. Right. You're right. You could feel it starting the, the, 
the embers starting to, the flames starting to ignite, like a little bit of something where there was going to be some obnoxiousness of suddenly there were way more Brooklyn Nets supporters than is reasonable Big or time. justified. And you yeah. know, too, if they had won the title, there would be a bunch of people who had not been Brooklyn Net fans claiming like, no, I always kind of liked them. You know, as soon as Brooklyn got a team, I was behind Brooklyn because I live in Brooklyn. So, you know, of course I liked the Nets the whole time. Right. Or like, I know I root for both, but, you know, I don't have any problem. Like, just, <laughs> no. Right. I don't root for both. I root for one over the other, and I dislike the other, and I'm happy they lost. Right. And I just think, too, uh, like, especially in professional sports, it is absolutely okay to root against the opponent. I know that there are people who subscribe to we root for our team, not against the opponent. False. I do both. I root for my team. <laughs> and there are many teams and people that I root against vehemently. Right. Just as passionately as the people and teams that I root for. Correct. Yeah. yeah. This was one of the great haters weekends for me of all time. Like, I, between... The Nets, the Sixers, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka. I mean, it was just <laughs> Christmas all weekend long of me watching people and teams that I dislike humiliate themselves. So it was a grand, grand weekend. Well, right. And I think it, at least in terms of the NBA, I mean, crushing, like just soul crushing losses. Yeah, brutal. I mean, just a brutal loss for the Nets. Like, you know, they can try to put any shiny spin on it. I've seen people try to you know, was Durant somewhat heroic or impressive? Maybe is a better word. Absolutely. Like, did he, did he uh, represent himself? Well, yes, he did. But this is a crushing loss for the Nets. Like they did not put this team together to lose in the second round to the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, and they can say whatever they want. And look, it was a difficult season and injuries and all of that. Like, it was a disastrous season. They were, two of the, they were hurt all year. Like, it did not accomplish what they wanted. It was starting to. But, like, you know, this team could be torn to shreds. And these guys are older. Like, this isn't the start of a 10-year run. This could be over here in two to three years having won nothing. So they have no time to wait, the Brooklyn Nets. And for what they're trying to kind of do to the franchise, like it couldn't have been worse. 100%. And I don't I don't want to hear either that it was... Because look, I'll, I'll fully admit, yes, if, if not for injuries, I can easily see them winning the title with this group. They were awesome when even, yeah. even just two of them were playing. This I'm not here... To try and argue that they weren't any good or that you know super teams don't work or whatever like no yeah yeah that's not what i'm trying to say however i do it annoys me that i feel like half of twitter is trying to let kevin durant off the hook because oh well he did everything he could it's not his fault and it's not their fault that everybody got hurt they all opted into this situation they opted in to a situation where it was entirely up to three guys and if anything happened to one of those three guys or more, it they had no shot, really, to go all the way. And something did happen. But, you know, every team has injuries. All right? Chris Paul sat out game one, and the Suns still won it. You know, Embiid played with a torn meniscus, and we'll get to him in a minute. But, you know, injuries, you're just not allowed to use it. Yeah, Durant 
put up a valiant effort. But the Nets have been vanquished. And it's not like, oh, for them, injuries, like, you got to let them off the hook. But for other teams, when they experience injuries, you know, they shouldn't let them. No, you guys opted into this situation. You put all your eggs in one basket. It didn't work out. And now you are losers. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's not like Durant was awesome and he's great. We knew he was great, but it doesn't like change anything for him or how I view him. And, you know, like a lot of people, it's been come like chic to be like, oh, after he had that huge game five. And that was like one of the best games you'll ever see anyone play. Like he was incredible. But, you know, you can't take you can't divorce it from the Bucks made some glaring mistakes in that game. And you know, this sort of like, oh, Kevin Durant is the best player in the world and has been for some time. Like, no, no, he isn't. Like, why? And not to say he's not one of the very best. He, of course, is. And he's right in that category. But why is he obviously better than Steph Curry or Kawhi Leonard or any one of the a number of really, truly great players who have been great while well, he's been great? So like, had he won this series, I think you could start to say, boy, like, you know, maybe we're even like he's in that LeBron, you know, that kind of rarefied air. But he's not. He's, you know, he might even be a top 10 player all time. He probably is. Like, that's an amazing accomplishment. But it doesn't do anything for him, you know, in that historical kind of view. And when you start talking in those terms, like those are very nitpicky conversations, you know, like when you start, when you get into like, how are you one of the five to 10 best human beings to ever play a game of basketball? You know, it involves nitpicking. And I don't, and not that he hurt himself, he was great, but he didn't change where we kind of, I think where you think of him or how you think of him historically. Yeah. And I think not only that, I think it's going to be really hard for him to, have anyone or it's really going to be difficult to change his image historically anyway, because he's still with a group of mercenaries. He still goes to a place where that's, that's not, you know, I guess Brooklyn now is his team, but at the same time, Brooklyn is nobody's team. As we discussed, there's not real Brooklyn fans. They're just not. And if you're out, if you're listening to this right now, thinking I am a real Brooklyn fan, a, you're not. Or B, congratula- <laughs> congratulations, like, you suck. I'm sorry. I, I, come at- right, right. Nobody cares. Right. Yeah. Come at me if you you're want lame. to. <laughs> because there are no Brooklyn fans, right, it's dumb. and you never were a Brooklyn fan. And I, and I don't want to hear anybody who's like, oh, no, I, I kind of root for them now. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't get to like both teams. Nobody likes both teams. In any sport in New York, you don't get to do that. That's illegal. Yeah. I mean, look, I guess who cares? Like, he's an all-time great player. He's had a wonderful career. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's accomplished probably everything he ever set out to in his life. And he's made zillions of dollars. And what does he care what two schmucks like us think? But he is in that category of athlete. And it doesn't happen often. But, like, he's unloved. He has no... You know, OKC, I guarantee you they're going to be like, they'll clap for him, but they don't have the feelings they would have. You know, like he's not going to go anywhere and people are going to be like, here he is. You know, Brooklyn will never feel that way about him. Like he'll, they'll never, no one's going to feel the way that they feel about Steph Curry out in Golden State. No one's going to feel the way, even like LeBron in Cleveland. Like, um, 
you know, that rare athlete who's got a home, who is beloved in the city that they played, like he has abandoned that and he's not going to get it. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't care. I, and why does he care? But I'm going to point it out because I care. No, but also <laughs> I, I, I think this is important because I think he does care. Like, right, right. You know, he cares. And that's why, like why? Because you, you're 100% right. There's no reason that he should care what we think. We're nobody. Like, you know, we pay to be on the radio. We don't even get paid to be on the radio. We're paying to be on the radio. There is no way Kevin Durant should. I mean, if, remember that uh, that clip of him getting interviewed? Where he goes, I'm Kevin Durant. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. But exactly. If somehow he was, you know, he's in Brooklyn. Maybe he turns on Radio Free Brooklyn at 6 a.m. on Thursday. <laughs> but maybe he does. And if he heard us. He would absolutely care and be mad, and he might even add us on Twitter, either through a burner or through his regular. Who knows? But that, and that's part of the problem is he does care, and that's almost like the worst part of it is he cares and yet still continues to make these decisions. Yeah, like if you care, you should stop doing that. Help yourself out, Kev. Yeah. You know, I do almost feel even bad. Like, I, I, it's the only place we could have started talking about this because, you know, it's his decision to come here in the aftermath of the Golden State decision. Like, it's just, it's they're so strange to me. I can't really relate. I sort of get what he, where he's coming from on both, but I just find them both so baffling. But, like, part of me does feel bad going right into, like, where, what does this series do for, like, how we think about him? Like, at the end of the day, the one thing I did leave when that game was over, I was thinking, boy, that was, I mean, that was one of the greatest games I've ever watched in my life, yeah. just as an entertainment product. Like, I mean, two teams going back and forth a million different times. You think it was going a different way. The Nets had it, Bucks got it. I mean, just could not for the life of me tell who was going to win that game for the longest time. Um, it was just such a classic. Absolutely. And, and I mean, it's one of those things too, where it, it had this like rocky feel to it, where in, in the overtime, it was like both of them were coming out of their corners, barely able to stand on their own power. <laughs> right. That overtime was just like, they were all just dead. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I've heard some people say, and it's probably true that Durant probably thought he was shooting a three or wanted to shoot a three at the end of regulation because he just didn't have any gas left in the tank. You know, in overtime he was shot. Yeah, no, I mean, look, if that shot goes in, you know, I mean, it is the thing with him talking about these, like, legacies, like, I mean, it's inches, you know? I mean, his foot's... Centimeters. Right, if his foot is behind that line, he wins the game, and you are like, boy, what a, you know, what an amazing <laughs> accomplishment. Then you're talking about James Harden, and, you know, like, got to, I mean... It's so funny because, like, on the one hand, you are so – I mean, I was so impressed that – like, I don't even get how James Harden was able to do that on this bad – like, how do you modify the way that you play basketball at that level in a way where you won't just blow out this hamstring? You know what I mean? Like, he clearly was like, I can't go full. <laughs> and how how are you able to do that and not, like, strain it worse? Like, it's kind of an amazing thing. Also, have you yeah. have you ever tweaked your hamstring before? 
Only slightly, not a not, not like a real strain. I mean, I've tweaked it before, and right, I, I don't think maybe a little more than slightly, but not severely. I mean, it is debilitating. That yeah. a hamstring injury because it it shoots up to your lower back, and it's just like you can't even move right, like at all. Yeah. So I don't know how he did it, and I almost like don't believe him, and not even because I think he's a liar or whatever, but like. I just don't. I just don't understand it. That's how impressive. I guess, but you could see that he was yeah. so diminished. But somehow he was like, he had modified his play like to this perfect degree of like, I can be effective but not put extra press. And yeah. like, how you're able to do that and then play defense and you know, and look, the Bucks did not take advantage of it nearly enough. How limited limited he was. Like to, to me, seemingly they should have been able to exploit how how little he could move out there much more, but. It was super impressive, and like just to gut it out like that. On the other hand, it's like they lose the series, and then you're kind of like, "Well, hey man, like you're the guy who decided that it was smart to like get really out of shape in order to force your way out of the Rockets, and maybe that's why you haven't you didn't hold up the way you normally do." Um, you know, and maybe that's super unfair, but you know, it, it, that's what happens when you know history is written by the winners. I guess. I- I don't think it's unfair. I don't think it's unfair at all. I honestly yeah. don't like, I mean, I, I just trying to look at it from the perspective of the fan. And, and that's sort of the thing about player empowerment. I think we touched on this a little bit last week where again, I'm all for the players being empowered and for employees to have a certain amount of leverage when it comes to their dealings with employers. But what is, I think kind of unique about sports is that, there is a third element that doesn't exist in many other jobs, which is fans. You know, like if you're selling insurance, like there's like the, there's your boss and the, and the insurance salesman, you know, there's not the insurance customer is not in the mix in in that worry, but there are fans. And the reason these guys are multi, 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 multi millionaires is because people root for them. And so, yeah, Harden, like, I get that you wanted a better situation for yourself and maybe you don't feel like you owe the Rockets organization anything or I don't know. I can't remember what the owner's name is, but the guy who wrote a book titled Shut Up and Listen. So you sort of like I could care less about that guy. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's probably just regular old folks in Houston that love the Rockets and love and probably loved and supported and defended James Harden and what he did to them at the beginning of this year, it just can't be forgotten. It can't be glossed over. Yeah. I mean, it's just not the way, I mean, there's like a way, I don't know, maybe there isn't, but like maybe they won't send you out if you don't do it that way. But it just feels like there's an adult way to handle your business where you go in and have a conversation that's like, hey, I, look, I've given you everything I got here. I'm not going to be happy. Like you got to deal me. Um, and not like just not show up, show up <laughs> clearly having gained weight and like violate COVID protocols and just like, okay, I guess that's one way to force the issue, but doesn't seem like the only way. So with all that said, who do you feel is more responsible for Brooklyn being eliminated? Giannis or Karma? <laughs> A little bit of both. I was happy for for Giannis. Uh, 
you know, after that game five loss, like it had gone too far. You know, he is this like so he's the most one of the more unique great players you ever see where he just has this like clear weakness that he, you know, to his credit, he's improved. Right. I mean, that jump shot, he can hit some threes. He can hit the occasional jumper. Um, His free throws are rough, but he makes enough of them. But it's such, you know, it's just in the crunch time of playoff games, not being able to shoot reliably is just such a problem when you're the team's best player and go-to player. Um, and it just felt like the the knives that came out for him when they lost that game five of, you know, this guy. And, and I get it. Look, he's had, I mean, the, they've been real. The postseason failures, like, and it's a real thing. Like, I do just think playoffs are different. You're mid you know jump shooting is so important in the playoffs because it gets harder and harder to score and that's a real problem for him but i don't think it's like oh you know i heard someone be like well he just he's great but he has to be a robin it's like that's not really the right way of thinking about it you know like that's like saying Shaq was a robin because he needed you know yeah he needed kobe to take jumpers at the end of games that doesn't mean he's not like the dominant presence on the team and the, the the number one reason that they're good it's just like it's different, you know? Of course. And also, too, like, I don't know. It's just so this idea of the Robin. Like, I guess Anthony Davis was a Robin last year, right? Right. And, uh, I mean, to me, it's just like he can – Giannis Antetokounmpo, whatever his name is, he can be the best player on a championship team. I, I mean, come on. Yeah. If, if the right team is built around him, you could – not everybody needs to be – he doesn't need somebody better than him. He's incredible. And he did make big shots in that game. I mean, he he made some of the key buckets. Like, it wasn't Middleton hit the game winner, but Giannis hit some really important shots down the stretch. Just a quick aside. Is it am I, is it Giannis or Giannis? No, I think you're right. I'm, I'm saying it wrong. I don't know. It's a G, so I just well, instinctively. Because you're also, you're the, you're not the first person this week that I've heard say that. And, I, and I've sort of been wondering, like, did did he do a press conference? Was there? Did he just just like, hey, by the way, everybody, it's been wrong for a couple of years now. It's Jonas. I think it's like a it's it's like a yeah it's like both combined. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's Jonas. So Giannis. It's however, Jonas. So it's like Jonas. There's a little y and then ya. Yeah. So I don't think it's a straight ya, but it's not a ja either. So that's where the real that's the. No, that's that's what we're all struggling with is it's both. It's well, right. It's like my last name. Apparently, I always say it incorrectly. My dad is always correcting me that I don't say my last name correctly, even though it's been my last name for 40 years. Right. It's like Ishii. Yeah. Or Ishii. Ishii. Yeah. Yeah. Ishii. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That last part. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which I get. I get where he's coming from, but it's hard. That last part. Yeah. Ishii. Ishii. Right. Right. That extra. <laughs> and I can't I can't say it correctly unless I'm impersonating him. I have to drop right. my voice an octave. I have to like right. you know. <laughs> I can only do it as imitation. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Well, anyway, Giannis. Uh yeah. you know, these things are so wild. And I get it. It's the playoffs. Everything gets magnified. There's a lot more eyeballs on these guys all at once as opposed to the regular season when a lot of their games might not be nationally televised. Man, I was talking to a a guy I know, and, you know, he was, after game five, going so far as to say, like, he's so relieved that he signed the extension with Milwaukee so that the Knicks won't get him. 
I was like, like, what? You don't want Giannis? And he was just like, I don't want the best player on my team not being able to hit a shot or a free throw at the end of a playoff game. In the fourth quarter of a playoff game, you got to have your best player able to hit shots and free throws. And it's like, right. So you'd rather field a team that cannot make the playoffs and get into a later round and be in a game seven. Like, that's what you'd right. rather have? Like, what are you talking about? I mean, just right. just the you wild- have to have a guy that can do that at the end of the games, but it doesn't mean that you wouldn't want Giannis. Like, right? He's still incredible. You want him? It's just you do need that guy, and you're gonna have to understand that. Yeah, but obviously, everybody, what you want? Like, what people just lose their mind, and that's the problem. Is and, and kind of like you said. After game five, the over it's the way overreaction to to Giannis was ridiculous. And you just look at these series, and after each game, it's like, oh man, this team's gonna run away with it. Oh no, this yeah. team is gonna run away with it. It's so crazy. Like, there's a reason these things go seven games sometimes. Yeah. Well, and this is a good segue into the next game we wanted to talk about because I feel like Giannis is like the perfect example of like he has like there's LeBron who who this was a problem for him and he like actually mastered it and made it a strength and actually became like an excellent jump shooter and a great three-point shooter and like solved the problem completely right <laughs> where he then was like no now I'm amazing at it and like Jordan kind of the same evolution of like oh you need to be able to make jump shots in the games I'll be the best one ever and LeBron didn't quite get to Jordan's level but like he solved the problem right and then there's Giannis who like He's made a good faith effort to like, he can take three pointers in these games. He hits mid range jump shots. You know, you don't always want him taking them and sometimes he overtakes them, but like he hits them. He hits some shots. He he keeps them honest enough that every once in a while he might shoot a jump shot. Right. Whereas our good friend, Ben Simmons of the 76ers, who has, you know, become the fascination of, I think, the entire sports world after what's just one of the more remarkable disappearing acts in the history of of any sport, not attempting a field goal for four straight fourth quarters in a playoff series, who, not that he cannot shoot, he will not shoot. He will not do it. Very important distinction. Yes. In fact, he can shoot. You can, there's videos, Google them. There's videos of him in open gyms, shooting with ease, pulling up for three pointers, like making fadeaways. He won't shoot. He will not shoot (laughs) from anywhere. No. Ever. Not only will, you're right. he, He won't shoot. And he treats the ball, especially in the fourth quarter, like a hot potato because he also doesn't want to shoot free throws. So he doesn't right. He doesn't want to get fouled. He doesn't want to take his own shot. He's basically unplayable. But he... Right. I mean, and it's just funny to watch this thing, like, evolve from when it was like, oh, he doesn't shoot threes. You know, he's going to have to learn that. And it's like, shoot threes. Like, <laughs> he needs to shoot, like, eight footers. <laughs> right. Let's start there. He needed to dunk the ball. Yeah, the other right. And he was worried about getting fouled. You're so right. Like he won't. He and he's the primary ball handler, and he's basically trying to stay away from people and make sure that he's not only not forced to shoot, but not getting fouled. Yeah, it's funny because you know this is also the opposite of of the the Giannis situation where 
I think there are some things that sports media generally becomes totally obsessed with and hammers into the ground, whether that's because they don't have anything else interesting to talk about and it fills up time really easily or <clears throat> because they just they, like it's catnip and they can't help themselves but to overblow it. I think that for as much attention as his shooting is getting currently in the media, it's as well-deserved a freak out as I think I can remember in my lifetime. Yeah. Well, go ahead. No, it's because it's just, it's truly staggering. It clearly cost him the game. Yeah. It, it was, it was not an isolated incident. It was absolutely over the course of the entire series, a problem. And so much so that his number one teammate and his coach were just like, you know, I can't even lie about this. I can't spin it. Like I'll be as nice as I can about it. But this is unacceptable. Right. Like, I can't sit here and gaslight you and be like, what do you mean? Right. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, he didn't shoot for four games, like, ever. And, in fact, he passed up a wide-open dunk to give it to somebody else because he it was, you know, it was obvious. You know, I will say, like, there is a missing piece to this of, like, the mental aspect where this is, like, an anxiety issue. And I actually, yeah. like, I'm, I'm familiar with it. I know, like, my issue with my anxiety is avoidance. But, like, I tend to avoid when I'm anxious the thing that is causing me anxiety. And he th- he is worried that if he shoots, he will miss and he will look foolish. And like as somebody who spent a lot of time in various therapists' office, like I know what mine would say. And he'd be like, well, how did you look? On, you know, how did, how did you look on Sunday? Right. Like, did you look, uh, did you look good that you didn't shoot? Or did you look worse? <laughs> Right. Because it's the thing he's most afraid of is the thing he is causing by the anxiety and not wanting to shoot. And and now it's like he's worried that if he shoots, he'll miss and everybody will be talking about it. Well, we're talking about right. it, right? Like Right. And 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 it's way worse. If like cuz everyone everyone would forgive you for missing. No one would be like, I don't know. I yeah, there would be people that would be upset, I guess. I'm not going to lie about that, but this is so much worse. It wouldn't be this. No. It wouldn't be this where it's like taken over the entire universe of sports discourse because everybody's like, what was that? But I like it was so recognizable. Yeah. And you're so right. It's totally like a psychological issue. And it's also crazy. If he just if he took the shot and he missed the shot again. Yeah, he takes some heat for it. But it's also now it's like. The story is Philly has to get rid of him, except how are they going to get rid of him? Because why would anyone give up anything for Ben Simmons? Right. And you can't trade him and not get worse. And, you know, so then what's the point? You might as well try and fix him. But like, you know, Doc after the game is like, oh, we got a plan to fix this. It's like, if it does not include a sports psychologist, forget it. Like, this is a mental issue. Like, you know, there was a great article, forget who wrote it, but or that Weitzman guy yeah. is very good. Yeah. On Fox.com, I think. But it was just such a revealing article about how in denial the guy is about the whole thing, you know? And even after the game, he was like, well, how many, how many assists did I have? You know, like, and they're like 13, you know, like I'm setting up my guys, you know? And then like, what did Trey Young shoot? You know, like five for 23, like, and it's like, right. You scored five points. You you did not attempt a field goal in the fourth quarter of four straight 
games. Like, if you can't look this in the face and accept that this is something you have to fix, like, it's never going to get fixed, man. Like, nobody cares how many assists you had. (laughs) Nobody cares how good defense you played. You can't shoot the ball from any part of the court. The game of basketball, you can't get it in that basket. <laughs> and, and right, it, it's what did Trey shoot? Blah, blah, blah. Like, don't, nobody cares. Right. You, you know what? I watched the game. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer. I know Trey didn't shoot very well. I think, you know, like as far as scoring, like he didn't have a great game necessarily, but, you know, I'm in awe of Trey Young right now. I respect that guy. I, yeah. I I hated him. I wanted to hate him. I was excited to hate him. I'm, yeah. I'm having a hard time hating him. I like him. I agree. Yeah. I feel the same way. That guy has balls. Oh, my God. He's he's fearless. Yeah. He is ridiculous. Yeah. And so whatever his stat line was from that game seven, I came away being like, if I, with it all on the line, I want that guy on the floor. You know, yeah, and, and and with it all in line, I don't want Ben Simmons in the arena. <laughs> so right, because he, the effect it has on the whole team. Yeah, everybody's suddenly tight. Our best, one of our best players, a guy making thirty million, won't even go near the basket. Absolutely, I mean that whole every sixer on the court. I during you know during down the stretch of that game, there was this atmosphere. Like you're on a plane and someone rips the worst fart ever. <laughs> like that was just the out of the general attitude yeah. of the team at that point in the game. That's how I would describe it. And you just feel it. You saw it. You felt it. I really like I I was excited watching that game, but I really was pretty confident Philly was just not winning that game. Yeah, they just couldn't. Right. Like they just couldn't. And it all, it, just, it wasn't even a play. It was just all stemmed from their demeanor that came from Ben Simmons refuses to shoot. Right. One of our best players is in the midst of a panic episode yeah. <laughs> and he's just out here and like nobody's doing anything about it. And we're just expected to try and overcome it. And it's like, you look, you can't ignore, you know, I, again, I feel for the guy because I can't even imagine somebody with who has this kind of a mental thing is now dealing with the, his worst nightmare right. ever, you know, like I shared you that video that people are passing around and, I, and maybe we'll put it on our Instagram account so everybody can see it, but of uh, Ben Simmons practicing before the game and he's, he's firing up these little baby jumpers, just kind of getting warmed up and he's doing it in this weird motion of like, Oh, I'm just goofing around, you know, when <laughs> he's missing everyone. And it just, I just, as a golfer, it so reminded me of when you're not confident in your short putts. And so you try to like act like you're just tapping it in or you're, you're not really trying so that that way, if it misses, you're like, oh, well, I wasn't even, and <laughs> like, it doesn't count somehow. And like, it's just such a defense mechanism of like, I'm nervous. I'm going to miss these shots and look foolish. So I'm going to do this. Cause then I'm just, I'm goofing around. I wasn't even trying to make it. Obviously if I wanted to make it, I could have just banged them in. It's like, no, you can't. Right. Like, why are you working on, why are you practicing like this? Practice, like try to make them, try to make all of them <laughs> do it, the, do it the right way <laughs> and improve at shooting. <laughs> when, when you practice shooting pro tip, try to make the shots (laughs) right it's important it's important that the the mechanics are sound and like you need that 
And I'm telling you, that guy, that they're like, if their plan does not include a sports psychologist and a mental part of whatever their plan is to fix Ben Simmons' shot, like, it's never going to work. Well, and that, you know, that Yaron Weitzman uh, article you're referencing, too, had a really key paragraph um, that, you know, we talked about. Let me let me just grab it, I think, I can because I can read it to you real quick. Uh, here it says for years, Simmons reluctance, reluctance to shoot baffled the Sixers early in his career. He'd goof around when coaches, including Brown worked with him, sometimes flippantly launching the ball high into the air while practicing free throws instead of attempting a normal shot, which is exactly what he was doing in that video you were talking (laughs) about. He'd leave immediately after practice without putting in extra time. But as time went by current and former Sixers, Sixers staffers say those habits change. But so, Right. That's exactly what he's doing. You're a hundred percent right, and it's like right. He's shooting free throws like sarcastically, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, this is stupid. No, it isn't. It's what's stupid is that you've been in the NBA as long as you've been in the NBA, and this is happening to you. Right, and you can't do this. And like, yeah, it is unbelievable. Like, what? It's just a, one of the more fascinating sports developments that I've I can ever recall. But I was just so thrilled. To, well, I just hate the Sixers. I hate the team. I hated the process. I don't care if it even bore fruit. I just, the whole concept is just so garbage to me. I hate how many, the, the defense of the way they try to excuse that this, that act like this wasn't going to become an obvious problem that it was going to become with Ben Simmons. Like, oh no, he's fine. It'll be fine. Like, no, of course, at some point, this is going to get badly exposed and you're going to need to do something about it. I hate, it's sort of this reflective of this kind of basket blogger thing. You know, they celebrated that, garbage sam hankey is some kind of genius like no any idiot can lose and rack up draft picks the hard part is building the good team right and winning the championship that's the difficult thing that's the part of the process that's really hard it's like all this like sam hankey i mean uh sam presti you know what a genius he is like yeah he turned he turned about five or six of the greatest players of his generation into one of the worst teams in the league and a lot of draft picks. Like that's not that impressive. What's going to be impressive is if he can now build a good team. That's the hard part. The fact that it's even called the process is just so, so what? Right. Just lose until you're good. That's the process. Like, I mean, it's like literally the plot of the film major league. (laughs) <laughs> and you know it's not, it's not a g i mean look, i guess it's audacious i will give that but it stinks and they deserve nothing but suffering i know like what's a synonym for process like we need a, a like a name like you know i don't know i should have come up with this already probably but like let's it, it makes just as much much sense losing right <laughs> I mean, it would just make just as much sense to say, like, well, you know, people should try, if you're rebuilding, try and replicate what the Knicks did. Clear out a bunch of cap space when there's a big free agent available. Then don't get the free agent. Settle right. settle for your D-plus choice. And then hope that he turns out to be an all-NBA, second-team all-NBA player right. the next year. We'll call that, you know, the the pathway or something <laughs> like that's just what it'll be right, called. Right. we'll slap a fancy name on it and pretend like it's a strategy when really it's just you suck but you don't want to lose your job 
So you slap a fancy name on it, and then if it works out, you call it that. But it's so stupid. I, I just the one, I just never liked the idea. I mean, it's one thing. There's nothing wrong with rebuilding or being smart or you know getting rid of bad contracts or you know acquiring draft picks. I just you know fielding a team with the intent of being as bad as you possibly can. I just can't support. And it's brutal, and it's it's really horrible again for fans. And that's the that's the thing. I mean, and the NBA should should recognize too, to some degree. Like I'm still pretty locked in to these playoffs because I've been locked into the NBA this year. You know, like it's easier for me to follow because I know I like know the Hawks team pretty well because we were engaged in a series with them. And I kind of, you know, you know who people are. You have a much better sense of who's good at what because you're so locked in all year because the Knicks were actually good this year. Yeah, I mean, look, on all the, I mean, on the other hand, you can get fans to buy into it, right? Fans are like, they love this now. Every fan base is like, loves rebuilding and acquiring assets and they don't even care. But I, I just think it sucks for the people you you task with doing it. You just like send these players out there and you're like, you guys stink. Go out there and <laughs> stink away. And just like, I don't know. I just hate the whole idea of it and I hated it and I hope them nothing but pain and i also i really don't like joel Embiid. me neither that's i don't understand how anybody likes that guy me neither he's a great player he's awesome i'd love to have him but he man he's unbearable i didn't think he was great after the game too i don't know if you heard him but he was like his first thing was kind of crying about the referees and it's like come on man i know crying about the well, wasn't that game but that's exactly why i don't like him because that's just who yeah. he, that's like kind of who he is i was actually pretty shocked I thought he was gonna get. I thought he was gonna get tossed after he uh, backed down John Collins behind the basket. There, in the, yeah. that was Game Six, though I think. But right, I thought he should have been tossed. I was surprised not more people reacted to that. I mean, that was a that was unnecessary, and it escalated things way unnecessarily. And I feel like John Collins could have really gotten hurt. I don't know what those. Nets are back. Like, I don't know that they're protected back there. I don't think anyone's ever meant to fall on that part of it because why would you? Right. Unless someone was being a jerk and shoved you onto it. Yeah, I hear you. I don't, I don't, I I can't stand him. (laughs) Were you surprised there wasn't a harsher penalty for, for that incident? Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's so hard to say. Cause like, you know, there was like the Jokic thing where he got ejected for what I thought was nothing. Um, so that's like one of the problems with that stuff is it's so, um, inconsistently applied. Um, like I, I wasn't angry that there wasn't a bigger penalty, but the way that, you know, I was a little surprised maybe that there wasn't one. Yeah. I, somebody, but it's also funny too, because somebody, I can't remember who it wasn't an important player, but somebody on one of the teams was, wasn't gonna play, but also couldn't play because, uh, they came off the bench, a uh, rule that we are all too familiar with as Nick fans. Right. <laughs> Do you think teams have like a designated guy where it's like, look, if there's a melee, you stink. Like uh, who would, who would, it would, for us, it would have been Pinson, right? If we say to yeah. like Pinson, if there's a melee, get out on the floor and protect Julius. Cause we there's don't definitely a more of an awareness of it. You'll see it. Like you do see people freak out now. Um, when that's happening, like, get, you know, like, th- th- I, I do feel like that has 
I don't know if people assign somebody to do that, but like there's a absolute understanding and awareness of it now that there wasn't back then. Yeah. There should be a right, an assigned person. Pinson, go out there and drape yourself over Randall. Right. Like yeah. I I've told you this before, but I'll I'll tell the audience, you know, I've been a high school football coach for some years and uh, one year when I was coaching at Christ the King High School, Terrell Hunt was our quarterback, and he ended up the starter at Syracuse for a while. And we were in a game. We were up, I think, 28 to nothing. Uh, and we had a very big game coming up the following weekend. So it's the fourth quarter, and we'd taken uh, Terrell out of the game, and he was happened to be standing next to me on the sideline. And, you know, I don't know, something got a little chippy, and there was the beginnings of a scuffle out on the field. And so Terrell, you know, trying to be a leader, I suppose, ran out there and I chased him. Now, he's much faster than me, obviously, but (laughs) I was just screaming his name, running out there. I had no interest in breaking up the fight. I had no interest in what all I was trying to do was keep him away from it. Right. Keep the best player out of the fracas. Right. Right. And the franchise healthy. Right. So that should have been that should be, you know, there's some player designated like get out there and grab Giannis. Get him right. there, you know, grab Trey. Just get him away from the melee. Like, who cares? Just yeah, do that. That's for sure. But um, but yeah. So uh yeah, evil evil was vanquished in the NBA. And I I'll just say, looping back to Brooklyn just for one second, to me, that closed the loop on the pain of from the night Durant tore his Achilles. And it was pretty much like that was the instant that that dream died for the Knicks. Then we had to endure a horrible season. And then we get this season. And I feel like, too, a Brooklyn title would have, I don't know, it it just would have made it a little sour. So that this just closed the loop. It's just go away. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I agree. It was great. You're right. It was a perfect, okay, good. They didn't get what they wanted. They lost. Yeah. They're gone now. We'll see what happens. So who do you like of the four teams remaining? Who I guess, who do you think is going to win it all? And who are you rooting for of the remaining group? I don't really have a rooting interest. I kind of, if I had to pit bet, I would bet on the Suns. They seem like the most complete team. Um, and the most mix of role players and stars. And they just seem really well put together. Um, and they've been playing the best. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, it's hard to pick against Milwaukee. Like, they did vanquish the Mighty Nets. Um, You know, it's hard not to be impressed with Atlanta. Clippers, what they were able to do even without Kawhi. Like, you know, I mean, what's exciting about this playoffs is the most wide open I can ever remember. Like, probably since, you know, the years that Jordan was, like, (laughs) playing baseball. Like, it's just like you... So many teams could win, um, but I ha- I would pick the Suns if I, if you forced me to. Yeah, and I, I also you know I, I've I've seen it out there a little bit, and I've heard it about how oh you know the NBA must be pissed that all their big market teams are out and and whatever. Like this is the most excited I've been about the Final Four in the NBA since like 1999. I mean, I'd love it. We're gonna get a new. Well, I guess. Yeah, we're going to get a new star player that is a first-time champ. The Lakers, they, I mean, I'm sorry, the Clippers have Kawhi, but Paul George. And I the, I like, I want the Clippers to win the least out of everybody. Um, you know, wouldn't mind seeing Chris Paul get a title. Wouldn't mind seeing Giannis get a title. 
And I, I hate to admit it, but I respect, I do respect the Hawks at this point. I don't want yeah. to, but I do. Well, if they won at all, I mean, then you'd look back and be like, well, hey, we really yeah. wasn't such a big deal. We, we won a game, you know, we, play, you know, we were relatively competitive. Um, you know, wouldn't it would, I mean, that's why I didn't mind them winning the second round series. It only made me feel better about the Knicks. Same, same. All right, Brian, give us your thoughts on uh your boys the the final the final pieces of evil here right um, the haters ball continued at the u.s open yeah um yes the, the rivalry that uh that has taken over the golf world the most grotesque and pitiful rivalry <laughs> maybe you want to be like to both these guys we hate both of you <laughs> nobody likes either of you you're both awful i find i'm shocked because i hated bryson shambo he's so annoying i like find myself like taking his side like i just think brooks is this like here's bryson's just a geek and he's got his little hats and you know here's this guy thinks he's cool and he's beating you know bullying him and and trying to you know like i thought the did you see the thing where people are yelling brooksy at bryson dishambo while he's playing yeah and brooks kepka went on instagram and like gave uh offered free beer because he's a Michelob Ultra sponsor to whoever was doing that. And like, I don't know, that's like cross the line to me. Like that sucks for that guy, you know? <laughs> like and like you don't see that getting out of control. Like um free beer to like whoever's the biggest Yahoo at my like while my rival is playing golf. You know, it's like look, you know, look he's a, they're making their livings out there, you know? I don't know. It's not like uh revenge of the nerds uh <laughs> plot line i don't know i just like so i just so i find myself moving towards bryson in this rivalry which i never would have guessed because he's not i don't enjoy him at all but i just can't stand that brooks kepka guy no that's interesting that you say that because i feel similar like i have no skin in the game i know less about these two than you do like i don't even necessarily not like them and i'm not even sure what the rivalry is essentially about but i did see that thing where he's trying to get people to yell brooksy at him and from what i can tell brooks kopka's main issue with bryson d is that occasionally he like jumps into view in the background while brooks is getting interviewed like that seems to be the most provocative thing that he's doing and it's like if if that's what's setting you off so much yeah, like he just yeah. doesn't like him. I mean, it really is like he just doesn't like him. Yeah, what like why? Like, did just that's it? Just his personality? They just don't. Yeah, they're both. I don't know. You know, like I think too. Like Kepka has this edge. He doesn't feel he feels disrespected. He doesn't get enough credit. So here's this guy who's won less majors than him, who's kind of set the world on fire because he's hitting you know with all this weird, stupid stuff that he's doing to like hit the ball farther, and it's, he's just getting all the attention. And I think that's where Brooks is like, this is bogus. You know, I'm better than this guy, but he's doing it in this more colorful way. So he's getting all this attention that shouldn't he doesn't deserve. And so that's interesting then, I guess, because there's like definitely a good deal of projection going on there, too, because Brooks himself is Mr. I only care about the majors, which, you know, casts him in a negative light with a lot of other pro golfers and and legit champions and so forth. And so, you know, he gets that hate. And so then he gets to put that hate onto somebody else. 
Right. Like, I'm, well, and I I'm do, more he feeds himself with like disrespect. He's one of those athletes that's like, anytime I'm not getting, you know what I mean? Like, that's my fuel. He's like one of those guys. Um, so I think seeing this guy who hasn't won as much quite as him, you know, fills him with rage. <laughs> and I like, I do get like, it is annoying this, like, this uh, Bryson's like redefine the game. I mean, look what he did is incredible. He like put on 30 pounds of muscle in like three months and he's gone from hitting it, like being a long hitter to like the longest hitter ever. Like he gained like 20 yards of distance. It's a really difficult thing to do. Um, but it's like this idea that he sort of reinvented the game and everyone's going to start doing this. Like Bryson was already a good player before he undertook this. And like, it's not totally clear that it's long-term going to benefit his game. Like I thought, he was swinging way too hard in this U.S. Open, and it really cost him. Like he blew up on Sunday. He made an uh, he had a triple bogey on the back nine and a quadruple bogey on the back nine. He hit a couple. He had a drive where he slipped severely. Um, that cost him. Then he had a drive. He hit a mile left. You know, like he it's seemingly kind of screwing things up with his wedges because he's swinging too hard, and so he doesn't have the distance right. Like. It's not totally clear that he has like solved golf because, you know, that's the other thing. He's this like scientist out there and he understands, you know, whatever, like he there's it's very much up in the air whether this is to his long term benefit. You know, he was already a very good player. Like, it's not surprising that he's won tournaments and won a major. Um, so the the hullabaloo around his the way he's changed his game is annoying. What's the possibility that this rivalry becomes almost like the opposite of, you know, what you might think of like a a bird magic kind of thing where there's this rivalry that actually elevates both players? Is there a chance that this rivalry will actually tank both these players? (laughs) I don't know. Like, it's, yeah, like, it's so... It's so specific and weird, right? It's just these two guys who like don't like each other for no reason and are just talking about it. Right. You know, like that's what makes it so unique. Is like and it's based purely on pettiness. It's not right. Like, it's just pettiness. It's based on like personal style and like demean. You know what I mean? It's not. Yes, yeah, there's no incident. It's just right. like one guy carries himself this way, the other guy carries himself that way, and they're both top players, and they don't like the attention that the other is getting versus them you know (laughs) there's no real reason for them to actually be feuding exactly and that's why i think this is the perfect rivalry to actually make each player worse that the the rivalry will be what sinks them Uh, yeah i mean and you know there's the question of like is it good for the game bad for the game i don't really care like it's definitely (laughs) not bad um it's not good either though you know like i don't i'm not like this is grand great like it's sort of fun but that's sort of the problem with the with it i think to me is like when tiger and phil had their rivalry like they were the two best like this is just like the seventh and eighth best players in the world don't like each other right (laughs) um who cares you know i also think that for a rivalry to work and to kind of elevate either the player the individual player or the sport itself for that to work, you need to, there needs to be enough people. And I'm sure there are, I'm sure there, I mean, I know there are, there's definitely golf fans that are either a Bryson guy or a Brooks guy, but I feel like there is too big a group of people that are like, I'm a neither guy. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> and so that's the dominant group. Yeah. So what's to what's fun is that? Right. You know, like right. they're awful. I wish they would both shut up. Right. And neither is worth anything close to the amount of attention we give either one. There are better players than them. Um that yeah, it is like I don't it feels like a weird distraction. Right. Like you could be a tiger guy, you could be a Phil guy. I there's not a lot of neither guys there. <laughs> Like, right. the the more this rivalry carries on, the less I like either party. Right. It's not right. good. It would be like if, I'm trying to think in another sport, like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, what, I don't know. I would only, the only thing I, that would be equivalent is like an individual sport because team rivalries can, can make marginal players more interesting. But like, you know, I don't know. It's like if in the back in the day, like Tim Henman and... Goran Ivanisevic really hated each other. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Would anyone care? I don't know. All right. It's like, I don't know. It's like three years ago if the Knicks were playing the Nets and people are like, oh, rivalry game. Like, no, it isn't. Like, right, right. I mean, it's better than that because they're both, they're top players, but it it isn't like, they're not like one and two. You know, they're not, there's better players than them. Um, and. So it's weird. Yeah, it's hard to get invested in it. It's like something to discuss, so it's bringing some attention to the game. But yeah, it's not like fun to pick sides and be like, I'm a this, you know, like a Nadal-Federer thing where right. like, hey, you're, I'm, I like this guy, I like that guy. I'm trying to say something about myself. It's like, I don't know. What do I, which one of these douches am I going to pick? <laughs> <laughs> Who won the tournament? Um, John Rahm, who I like, and he uh, played terrific. And uh, I was rooting for this kid, Matthew Wolf, because I made a small wager on him that would have really paid off, but he he let me down. You've bet on him before, right? With pretty good odds. I have, yeah, because he's like an up-and-coming guy, but he's, he's getting good odds. Um, I had Harris English as one of my other bets. He finished in third, came up a little short. So I was in there, but it was... Uh, but that Matthew Wolf bet would have paid out fifty six hundred bucks. Oof. I know. At one point, he was one shot off the lead on Sunday. Oh, like he God. was in it. I was like, oh, "Come on!" Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, he let me down. Well, on that losing note, we're going to wrap up the show. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, Brian is off next week, so you get one full hour of me. Congratulations to you. See you, everybody. 